Thanks, Shane. Thank you very much. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Afternoon on this Thursday afternoon. 51551 for your text. You can send us emails to ray at rte.ie. We're blasé now about all those awards, aren't we? There was a time when you'd get really excited. Get Ed Guiney on the phone. Get your man's mother, his cousin, anybody. Get them on the phone now. They've just been nominated for a, a BAFTA or, or an Emmy or an Oscar. And now, oh yeah, we're Irish, of course, of course. But congratulations again uh, to everybody involved and everybody who's been nominated for a BAFTA this year. Uh, Barry Keoghan, uh, Killian Murphy, Paul Meskell and the people in Element Pictures uh, for Poor Things, which I'm really looking forward to seeing, um, starring Emma Stone. Uh, and, and that's that. And of course, the big one, um, I think it's next week they're announcing uh, the Oscar nominations. Uh, so we await them with interest, as they say. Uh, so it, it's cold. Yes, yes, it's very cold. Uh, sub-zero temperatures. The thing, the, the sign that measures the number of people who pass by on a bike on the way in. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why it does that. Uh, I must ring somebody and find out. There's a digital sign. Uh, on the way in and it tells you that 250 people have passed by on bikes that particular day. It also gives you the time and the temperature. And today it just went minus C. So it didn't say minus one. No, no, no. It just said minus C. So maybe it can't go below zero, but it's it's sub-zero temperatures and some parts of the country have been hit a lot worse than others. I heard that report from uh, Letter Kenny this morning. They got a good old blast uh, of not just the cold, uh, but snow overnight. And I hope everybody's safe up there. Um, so how long is this snap or spell or stretch going to last? What's the difference indeed between a, a snap or a spell? A snap sounds worse, doesn't it? Uh, you know, a snap. Woo! It's like a, there's harsh, as a punch. Whereas a spell is more airy. Sort of, ooh, ooh, spell. And then a stretch, nondescript, completely nondescript. Um, anyway, I think the snap we're going through at the moment. Uh, and it's to finish up tomorrow. Uh, I heard there are temperatures of 13 degrees uh, forecast for over the weekend. And there'll be rain as well. I, I prefer... No, 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 I know you have to be careful, don't you? Saying what you prefer, but uh, I do like uh, the cold weather. You, you know, you know what it is. You know what to do. Uh, you know that you have to wrap up. You know you're going to be cold. Uh, all those sort of things. Be careful on the roads. Whereas when it's unsettled, you don't want to hear unsettled. No, an unsettled spell snap. You would never say an unsettled snap, would you? It's just that that's oxymoron there. Uh, but unsettled, you don't know what to do. Is it like, do I wear a coat? Is it going to rain? Can I cycle? Do I have to drive? All the big questions. Uh, anyway, be careful out there in the cold weather. And on the meanings of words, uh, Susie Dent, she's the queen of the meanings of words and phrases. And I see she was asked, what's the most popular question she is asked what would you think? What would you think? Now, Susie Dent, you know, she's on Countdown and she's written numerous books. We've had her on uh, over the years on numerous occasions. Uh, great guest and uh, great knowledge of words and phrases. Uh, but the question she is most commonly asked, most most often asked, is the pronunciation of the word S-C-O-N-E. Yes. Is it, does it rhyme with gone or does it rhyme with phone? What way do you say it? Do you have a scone or do you have a scone. Now, you've probably never heard this before on a radio programme. 
<laughs> never. There's never been a discussion about the pronunciation of uh, S-C-O-N-E before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, gone or phone. Susie Dent, she must have the definitive answer. Yes, I have your interest, don't I? Yes, you're going to know. And if anybody ever says it incorrectly in the future, you can correct them and say that the man on the radio said that Susie Dent had said, well, sorry to disappoint you, uh, but there is no definitive ruling on this. In fact, the Oxford English Dictionary says both scone and scone are acceptable. So it is whatever you're having yourself uh, with jam, whipped cream, oh yes, no butter, just, just jam spread on it. Uh, and then some lovely whipped cream on top. And then, oh, that's nice. That's nice. Take me to a room in a hotel with a fire and some soft furnishings. And give me <laughs> a nice cup of coffee and a plain scone with the jam and the whipped cream. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Either, either. Uh, which is that? I suppose the Oxford would say either is acceptable. Yesterday we were playing around with the pronunciation of herbs. Or is it herbs? How do you pronounce your herbs? Herb. Uh, oregano or oregano. Basil or basil. Well, you know, if, you know, let's call the whole thing off. It's the American way, isn't it? Speaking of American pronunciations of things, I'm really looking forward to this chat. You might have heard it over the last couple of days, but a troop of American students travelled to Glen Tees in Donegal because they're doing a production of Brian Fields' Dancing at Lunasa back home in Georgia. And they travelled to Donegal to brush up on their Donegal accents. And we're going to be talking to two of them and testing their accents on the show today. Looking forward to that. Uh, You know the way uh, when people like me are talking to people like you on radio shows, they they, they cite the lists, you know, Lonely Planet's 10 most... Uh, you know, exciting venues or destinations, the must-see. And I I forgot to say it, actually. Congratulations to Waterford recently, uh, County Waterford. I know I'm late to the game. I, I should have said it and I meant to say it. Uh, they were mentioned in the New York Times uh, as a place that you must visit uh, in 2024. Anyway, it's always the positive, isn't it? It's always the positive. You must go here, you must go there, you must cycle this pathway or whatever. Well, today is different because <laughs> Dubai has been crowned the world's most overrated holiday location. (laughs) I like that, in a way. Uh, So Dubai is one of the world's most lusted-after holiday spots, but it has also recently been crowned most overrated. Uh, It's beloved, I believe, from this article, by influencers and ex-Love Islanders. Uh, It came out on top of a poll of what locations Redditors think is the most overhyped. Um, it's never a place I had any aspirations to visit. For numerous reasons. It'd be too hot for me anyway. And then there's other things as well. Uh, but there you go. That's interesting. Uh, is there a list of, of overrated holiday locations? Uh, and the hype, that's, you have to be careful about the hype with anything in life. Whether it's a holiday location or a book or a movie or a TV programme or, or whatever. Uh, because sometimes it's impossible for something to live up to the hype. I love discovering things. Discovering a book for myself, discovering a movie, discovering a location. Uh, You've no no prejudices. You're not, your expectations are just, you know, they're at a level. They're they're not negative, they're not positive, and you can make up your own mind. It's not being coloured by other people's opinions. I like that. But in a world where everybody posts everything and it's all available, those sort of experiences are becoming fewer and fewer. Oh, that's sad. Not particularly sad. This is an odd one, lads. Uh, It's one of the most read, if not the most read, article in the Irish Times. The Irish Times, yes, yes, 
the paper of record. And if you go to the most read now on their website, you will see at number one or two an article by Paula Gahan, uh, who is an air hostess. And she has a podcast called The Bad Air Hostess. And the article she wrote for the Irish Times today is headed, The Things Some Married Pilots Say to Get You Into Bed. I kid you not. There it is. The Things Some Married Pilots Say to Get You Into Bed. Uh, now, I am sure the majority of pilots are, are, you know, if they're married, they're faithful and all that sort of thing. But Paula Gahan, she's speaking from personal experience and she's heard them all. She's heard all the lines. You're interested now, do you want to hear them? So this is what they say. Cads, cads one and all, the people who say things like this, we're in an open relationship. My wife's a lesbian. That's number two. Number three, we're separated but living together. It gets worse and worse. She's in a coma. And finally, she's dead. These are all lines that Paula Gahan has heard from pilots while away from home. See, if you didn't read it and you didn't know that she's telling the truth, you wouldn't believe it. You would think that things have changed, wouldn't you? I, 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 naively, I thought that things have changed. <laughs> I thought that things like that were a thing of the past. I thought we'd moved on. But obviously not. Now, Kate Moss, you would have seen the photographs. She celebrated her 50th, uh, not 50th wedding anniversary, her 50th, her 50th birthday uh, in Paris this week. Um, it was in uh, Laurent Restaurant in the heart of Paris's Marigny Square District uh, alongside boyfriend Nikolai von Bismarck, who's 37, uh, daughter Lila, who's 21, and uh, loads of guests, famous people. Stella McCartney was there. Charlotte Tilbury was there. Venus Williams was there. Um, I didn't know this, but Kate Moss doesn't drink anymore. Um, I wonder if she given an interview about that. I'm sure she has. Uh, we spoke to another Kate, Kate Gunn, yesterday uh, about her relationship with alcohol and the fact that she gave it up for a month, uh, six or seven years ago, and she hasn't drank since. And we also had other people's experience of, of drink. It's an interesting listen, just because it might give you ideas. It's not, we're not telling you what to do or how to do it. We're just uh, exploring what it might be like. This is the chat yesterday. Uh, in a world, in a world without alcohol. Uh, anyway, that's Kate Moss's world, uh, but she was out celebrating in Paris uh, with all that. It looked like a great party uh, and it, it's one you'd want to be at. Uh, when, and when you read the Spotify playlist, you, you go, oh, yeah, I want to be there. I want Yeah, she put up her playlist for, for, for her birthday party. Um, yeah. That's nice, just, that's one of those songs that, would you dance to it or you might just listen to it and sing along? You wouldn't dance to this one now. This is Kate Moss's 50th birthday party playlist. Great playlist, great playlist. Paddy Smith, because the night before that, Al Green, let's stay together. Great song, as is this one. Let me 
That's great. 70 further down the Rolling Stones was on the playlist. Yeah. That's a cracker. David Bowie, Rebel Rebel. Second appearance for Kate. Not for Kate, for Diana Ross. Kate Moss, Diana Ross. Maybe she liked her because her name rhymes. Quam was there. And they're up dancing at this stage, aren't they? Yeah, they're up dancing. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you have Spotify, just put in Kate Moss's 50th and you'll get that, uh, that running order, that playlist. Black box, right on time. Now, let's see what we're just saying on this uh, Thursday afternoon. Uh, so, is a phone a phone or a phone? No, it's a phone. How many times have you had an ice cream cone or a con? It says own. Is that own or on? <laughs> it's getting silly, I know, sorry. How does Susie pronounce there and there? Aha, they're the same. There and there, T-H-E-R-E and T-H-E-I-R. That's Betty Daly. Uh, Take me with you, please. I'm yours, Ray. If only some fireside afternoon delight. You got me at fire. That's Lorraine, D7. Oh yeah, that that, that lovely room. I've been in those rooms in, in country hotels with the fire going and you can hear the crackle. Uh, and you get the, the scones and the tea or the coffee served up to you. It's nice, nice. And you know you know the light's good because you're doing it in the middle of the afternoon. No commitments. Uh, I lived in London for years. When I came home, I used to pronounce uh, scone as scone and people used to look at me. So I went back to saying scone as phone. Great. <laughs> and Sai says, if you want to get me into bed, five words. Ooh. The electric blanket's on. I never say no. Uh, on matters grammatical, what has happened to the adverb quickly? I usually hear the word quick now uh, in every context. Radio ads have become serial offenders. Pronunciations can vary, but surely quickly is either correct or not. Please discuss. Alan and Lucan. When it's, when it's an adverb, the L-Y is on it. I, I remember this. I remember this. Um, so if it's if it's an add-on to an adjective, then it becomes an adverb, doesn't it? Yes, I think that's it. Or if you're descri- or if you're describing a verb, uh, he ran quickly. 
He didn't run quick. He ran quickly. It's an adverb. Uh, quickly is the usual adverb from uh, quick. I quickly realised, you see, uh, that I was on the wrong train. My heart started to beat more quickly. Quick is sometimes used as an adverb in very informal language, especially as an exclamation. That's from the Oxford Dictionary. But it's in, it's, it's incorrect. I'm, you're, I'm with you, Alan. I'm with you, Alan. But then, you see, then, this is the important thing. It's, language is about communication. And if people understand what you're saying, isn't that enough? Isn't that enough? Rather than picking people up on their grammatical errors, would you be bothered? Would you be bothered? Uh, or even arsed? Now, uh, what do you want to hear? Rebel, rebel, because the night are upside down. Three of them feature, two, one. You've the, oh, it's, yeah, one gets it. There you go. Louise and Gar said Rebel Rebel and Kieran went for Because the Night. Good afternoon, 51551 Ray at rte.ie. Great David Bowie, Rebel Rebel. You know you're famous when Spotify feature the playlist from your 50th birthday party. Alison has been on Kate Moss playlist included Gloria by Laura Brannigan. You're right, it did. Oh yeah, there's a cracker. That's a cracker, that's a cracker. Oh, we'll have to play that in its entirety one of the days. Uh, great tune. Guilty pleasure of mine, that Alison. Well spotted. Uh, now, uh, Bernard has been on um, about adverbs and quick and quickly. And she says, which is a fair point, and yet we say run fast, not fastly. <laughs> You're right. Well, we all know that the English language is pretty messed up and inconsistent. Uh, scone rhymes with moan says P thank you P uh, I hate to lower the tone on my phone or to be a drone but I have a bone to pick <laughs> I will postpone eating a cone until we accept how to pronounce scone thanks Brian uh, I completely agree with you regard to understanding communication over liter- literature and accuracy yes uh, and somebody else says when it's on a plate it's a scone and after you eat it it's a scone as in gone yeah, hey uh-huh. uh, now we're looking for two of you to come on after four o'clock and take part in our Who Done It quiz <laughs> prize great prize this week it's a two night stay for two people in the heritage in Killinard in County Leash and there's dinner on one evening in Blake's restaurant uh, they have a, an award winning spa down there uh, so you get one of their luxury treatments and you can also take advantage of their thermal suite including their brand new state-of-the-art salt cave and sauna pure posh uh, the heritage beautiful resort it's set in the countryside in Killinard in County Leash less than 20 minutes from Kildare Village if you want to do a bit of shop a door uh, theheritage.com and there's loads of offers there if you go to theheritage.com here's our qualifying question on this Thursday afternoon who was named the new captain for the Irish rugby team uh, for this year's Six Nations? 
Peter Amani or Peter Rabbit? So who's been named the captain of the Irish rugby team? Peter Amani or Peter Rabbit? 0818-715-925 Now, from amassing millions of views on TikTok with her viral impressions of nuns to making waves in the acting world starring in the Netflix dramas uh, The Midnight Club and uh, Fall of the House of Usher our next guest is taking the acting world by storm um, uh, Ruth Codd from Ferry Carrick in Wexford Good afternoon Hi are you, the, are you the most famous person from Ferry Carrick do you think? Um. <laughs> you had to think there yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't know I mean it's not a massive population so <laughs> the, the pool isn't very big like. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Thanks a million for coming in um, Great oh, to see thanks you Thanks for having me So you were brought up on a farm Yeah uh, What sort of farm? Uh, my dad uh, trains and breeds racehorses. Oh, does he? Right. Yeah. 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 All of my family are like horsey people. people. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. And Cod with two Ds. Yeah. Where does that name come from? Oh, it's a very Wexford name. Is it? Like every second person in Wexford has the second name Cod. Right. Yeah. Right. I think. <laughs> um, I, I was saying when I was... You know, on the, we do this thing called a promo uh, and we tell people what's coming up on the show and I was saying that you have a great story to tell. Which, which, which you have, don't you? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. yeah. I suppose it's not as you planned it. No, no. no. I, w- once I turned 15, like nothing really in my life <laughs> went, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> went to plan, but it kind of worked out okay in the end. Yeah, and, and what, because we all have an idea of what we want to do, you know, at the age of, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, when you were asked by, yeah. the, by the answer, the uncles, oh, so what do you want to be? What, what are you going to do when you leave school? Yeah. What was your answer? I probably would have gone into something with, Horses. Mm. Uh, I wasn't very good in, good in school. Uh, I was quite lazy, so yeah, I wouldn't have been the most academic in the world. I kind of just liked being out in the farm with the horses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then at fifteen, everything changed. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it was a simple break. I was just messing around in PE in school, playing soccer, um, and it broke, and it all went really wrong. Uh, and I ended up on crutches for. Eight years. Eight years? Yeah. Yeah. Dragging myself around for eight years. It was tough going there. God. Because, yeah. you know, you break a leg, you go, this is a pain, literally. Yeah. Uh, and you go, what? usually it just, you, you put on a, a cast and it sorts itself out. That's, yeah. That's the way it should happen, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, um, because they they're not going to say like, oh, you're on crutches for eight years. Like, I kept kind of, they'd try an operation and then it wouldn't work or something else would go wrong. And yeah. They'd fix one problem and then it'd lead to another problem, so. Yeah, you poor thing. Yeah. After about three years, I was like, mm, this one's probably not <laughs> going to go my way. <laughs> and it obviously changed your relationship with what what you were doing around the place with yeah. horses. Yeah, well, I couldn't, I couldn't horse ride anymore. Yeah. Um, and this was something you loved doing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I mean, I was no star athlete or anything. Like, I probably wouldn't have ever been in the Olympics but something I loved doing and, and, and then I don't know once once I was injured I felt like I wasn't good at anything else so I was kind of like oh what do I do now where does this leave me yeah yeah, yeah. so you, you went into hairdressing makeup yeah something you could do with with, with yeah. the dodgy leg because it, it became a dodgy <laughs> leg didn't it <laughs> <laughs> the dodgy leg. That's literally what I used to call it. The dodgy leg. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I, I kind of stupidly chose a, a career path where you're on your feet quite a bit. So I don't really know what was the thought process behind that one. <laughs> <laughs> but my options were a bit limited. So, yeah. Huh. And then, um, yeah. So, I, I what did, so was chats going on all the time about the leg. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and they were desperately trying to sort it out. Yeah. And failing every time. Um, and when was it broached then with you and your family that maybe an amputation would be the way to go? Um, well, about five years in, I'd kind of resigned myself in my head that that was the way it was going to go. It must have been mentioned then. No, 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 they kind of, they will try absolutely everything under the sun um, before they amputated. That's literally their last, you know, port call, I suppose. Um, it wasn't mentioned until I was uh, 21. Right. Uh, about a year before I got amputated uh, was when it was first mentioned, yeah. It's a big deal, isn't it? it you kind of think that, but then as it's happening to you, you just kind of get, get through it, really. And for me, it wasn't really... that. It, well, obviously, I was losing part of my leg, but I was gaining back mobility and my life again and I just I didn't want to be you know in the Paralympics or anything I just wanted to be able to go to work and mm. not be in pain every time I took a step so for me I was very much ready for ready so, for it to go. So and I suppose you've been told and you'd sorted out in your head that this is the best option. Yeah yeah for what I wanted to do yeah. With my life, and I, I didn't really see a point in having a leg there that was just giving me grief. Yeah, like if part of a, this is probably a bad analogy, but like if part <laughs> of a car is breaking, you're you're not going to keep it for the sake of it. Like <laughs> it's probably not a great analogy. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there counselling around that then? Um, well, the HSE, like, are a bit useless, as we all know. Well, yeah. Um, we can't say they're totally useless. No. But yeah. I mean, the nurses and doctors yeah, are great yeah. as an organisation for someone that grew up in it. Not fantastic. Uh, but they actually don't offer... You have to... If you want to do counselling, you have to get it privately. Right. There's no services offered You would think You would think that if you're opting to remove part of your limb that yeah it's a big psychological support would be an aspect of it no I, I did I did ask for it um, and it wasn't available so I, pay, I paid for it privately right. yeah okay yeah and was that helpful yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean it, it's good to I think everyone should go to you know some form of counselling or therapy even if you're not getting your leg chopped I'm, off I'm with you I'm with yeah. you there <laughs> it's good it's good to just sometimes sometimes the thought in your head Seems really complicated, and then you say it, and you're like, "Oh, that's." And yeah, saying it to somebody who doesn't have skin in the game. Yeah, someone who's not going to judge you. Yeah. Yes, somebody and somebody who you don't feel emotionally attached to. Yeah. That's the. Yeah. That's the reward. Yeah. I it he- it helped massively. Um, right. The, yeah. Yeah. the the counselling and, and and stuff just to sort yeah, sort through all my thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I suppose one of the positives you're young. You yeah. know, no, because like my dad lost his leg uh, when he was older. Oh. Yeah, and, and the prosthetics then become, a little, you know, the whole chore of learning to use it and all yeah. that, that becomes a, a, a bigger issue. Yeah. But but you were literally back on your feet within... Two, two days. Right. I was out of uh, 
you, you go to like the, the person who makes your prosthetic you, you just go there and they kind of teach you how to walk on it again um but yeah I did I didn't find it that big of a yeah. a, a change and I suppose now as well prosthetics are getting better and better and better so I was quite lucky with the first prosthetic a guy called Jack made it um Jack Kitchen he did such a good job so I had I actually had that prosthetic for two years because it, it just fitted me perfectly so I was really lucky materials are lighter yeah yeah, yeah. it was it was actually way lighter than because I used to have to wear like a splint to keep my ankles straight um it was way lighter than that and it, mm. and it wasn't as sore or uncomfortable either. right yeah. so here you are what 23 prosthetic limb yeah uh did you have to go up the hairdressing or no um then I was back working on a music video within three weeks <laughs> and then I decided to kind of um not I didn't really want to do makeup anymore so I did I did a course an apprenticeship in barbering Right. And then COVID hit, so that all went home to Ferry Carrick. Yeah, yeah, literally packed up my car. I was like, Dublin rent prices, man, can't do it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, went uh, home to Exford. And then, like half of the world's population, you took to TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, everyone seemed to be making videos back then, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it was during lockdown, so. What else do you do? Yeah, I, I suppose I hit it at a good time because everyone was watching. Everyone was. Participating, I didn't really ever go in with the. Like I, I, I didn't think anyone would watch my videos. I was just doing them because I was bored out of my brains. Like, and had you done sort of school shows or anything like that? No, no, no. I didn't do drama. Uh, I was villager number four. Villager number four in anymore. my school play. <laughs> <laughs> I auditioned for a main part, didn't get it, but that's fine. Nah, I'm You're not bitter. Yeah. No, I'm not bitter about it. So you're villager number four. <laughs> yeah. What was the production? Pirates of Penzance. Right, I didn't know there were villagers in Pirates of Penzance. Oh or yeah, Pirates of Penzance, sorry, I'm thinking of someone Oh, Or maybe it was yet. pirate number four. No, yeah, yeah. I yeah. wasn't, t- I didn't really show up to her. So that, that that's much. one of those uh, Gilbert and Sullivan musicals, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't really learn the words either, so they kind of stuck me in the back. Like. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, so, so no, and, and yes, you, 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 so where did it come from, this, this nun character? Where did it come from? Oh... <laughs> In a school, we had a nun that taught us sex education. Right. One of the last, probably, nuns teaching around, but, yeah. I, I so was... you were inspired by her? Yeah, yeah, very much so. And, 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 and hugely popular, 800,000 followers, uh, and you were, you were spotted? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a, a casting um, office in LA found me and asked me to audition for a Mike Flanagan show and obviously like you know the way like normal people you wouldn't unless you're in the world of acting you wouldn't really know directors names and stuff yeah. and then I googled his name and I was like oh he does Hill House and Bly Manor which I love so uh-huh. it, and then I was like oh I'm, I'm made so will you tell the uninitiated about Mike Flanagan and that show you've just mentioned <laughs> uh, Hill House and Bly Manor yeah, yeah. It, he basically just does loads of spooky stuff Um a lot of his shows are about death. Um, a lot of them based in houses. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> haunted houses. But yeah, he ju- he's a, he writes most of his stuff too. Like he's brilliant. Him and Jamie, his brother, write write all the stuff. Like. And you were a fan. Then you get the call. 
Like, yeah. you're going, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Is this I, a well, wind-up? I didn't think, is I thought... A, is this a wind-up? I literally thought that. Yeah. I literally thought someone was, like, winding me up. Because during COVID, one of my friends pretended to be a radio. Did they, right? For TikTok, so I was like... This is you again. <laughs> well, then they'd make calls and go, you're, you're yeah, on air. Like the, well, all my friends thought it was hilarious that I was amassing this following all right. on TikTok. So I just got absolutely ripped on the daily. Right, yeah. Uh, so Mike Flanagan rings, you go, you send over a tape. That's what they do now. You can audition remotely, yeah, yeah, which is great. Yeah. But you, 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 were, you were perfectly comfortable in front of the your your phone or camera because you've been doing it yeah, for TikTok. Well, I, I suppose so, yeah. I didn't really know what I was doing. But also I had nothing to... I was like, there's not very many times in life where you have nothing to lose. So I was like, if it, if this tape ever leaks, then so be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you had no expectations? No, none. I actually... My only expectation really was once they started filming that I probably was going to get fired. <laughs> so I asked, like, how many episode fees do you get in advance? Right. Two. Right. I was going to keep them. <laughs> so I was like, at the very worst, I'll get a new car out of it. Yeah, but you were one of the main characters. They, weren't, they couldn't. You were in the <laughs> You're in the whole thing. You were written into the whole thing. On you was. People get fired all the time. And yeah. F- f- like, once you start filming sure, look stuff. At, look at the story of Back to the Future. You know that story? No. What was his name? They had they, uh, the original actor wasn't Michael J. Fox. It was wasn't another that? guy, and they'd shot their their scenes on YouTube with the other guy in yeah. them. Yeah, and then they decided, no, this isn't working. They do that type of thing all the time, yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes you don't really know how two how two or three people are going to gel together. Yeah. I suppose until yeah. you start. Yeah. So so you got the part uh, of Anya in the Midnight Club, which is set in a haunted house, which is also a, a teenage hospice. Yeah. Right, brilliant. Yeah, really uplifting <laughs> stuff here, yeah. You're brilliant in it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> had you not? No, I never acted. But what was before. what was what was what were they telling you to do? Because you haven't gone to acting school. You've as you say you've never done it before. No. And they, they were just, aware of that. Yeah. Real wild cards, I suppose. Uh they just gave me the script. They were like, learn your lines. And then before you start shooting, the director does tell you what to do anyway but you kind of know from reading the script yeah I suppose maybe and I you've know. watched enough of these things to know what's expected of you is that it I don't, I don't know re- really I was lucky I suppose in my first role that it was very Anya was very like teenage me just a little ball attitude of, yeah a lot yeah. of attitude yeah. a little ball of anger yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you could draw on that yeah <laughs> <laughs> I drew from personal experience like yeah, yeah. 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 Now, now you're also in, which is another Mike Flanagan uh, production, Fall of the House of Usher, uh, which which is a little bit more adulty. Yeah. And yeah. you play a wife of an older man. Yeah, I'm the hot wife. You're the hot wife. Young hot wife. And, and he's what three times your age? Yeah. Yeah. Three, right, yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. But again, there's a house. We really switch gears with that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yet there's a house, and it's it's haunted. Again, yeah. <laughs> yes, haunted, yeah. 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 It's um, the same house. Did he use, does he use the same no, house? No, it's a set. Movie it's, magic has been ruined for me. They're right. all sets yes. and CGI. Right. Um, oh, but actually, the sitting room in Fall of House of Usher was real. So was the bar. That was actually in someone's house. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
And there's that scene, I was watching a bit of it last night, where one of the children has a, uh, a lane of a bowling alley in his kitchen. Oh, that was real. Was it real? That was a real house. What? Yeah. I thought, I thought, how did they sort of CGI that or whatever? No, it was real. No. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um, I suppose just rich people with way too much money in Vancouver. Yes, so yes. it's quite easy to, I suppose, to find just obscure <laughs> houses like that. And they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so the, both of them are up on Netflix, The Midnight Club and Fall of the House of Usher. Uh, but you're, you're, you're currently working on something that will bring you from the small screen to the very large screen yeah. in cinemas. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, we've made it big time. <laughs> Have you seen yourself on a big screen yet? Is there any, it's many, you know, sometimes they do screenings of these things oh. to launch them. No. 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 No, I saw myself on a projector in, yeah. Co- in Comic Con in, in New York. Yeah. But, but going no, into I've, a cinema and... I know. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be... I've just come straight from stunt training, actually. Have you? Right. Yeah. My... my Every bone in my body hurts. Right. <laughs> Can you give us a hint? Were you, was it for a fight or for what? Yeah. I'll right. be... Will I'll you be, be fighting? I'll be fighting. Right. Yeah. Great. Yeah, which, which, you know, I can draw also on experience, <laughs> as I am from Wexford, so... <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to distance yourself from that comedy? You want to stick, want to stick with it, fine. Okay. Uh, so this is really exciting. So, so what's the? Is there because as we sort of outlined at the start, there was this. There was no plan. There was no. 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 So is there any plan now? No. 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 I d- I just have learned to maybe live in the moment a bit more, and you know you can make plans, and then you can fall play soccer one day, and your whole yeah. life can be up. Up, turned upside down. You just kind of had to, I think, be a bit easier on yourself and just go through the motions a little bit. Yeah. Um. And yeah. So, so just on a, on a more serious note, Anya yeah. was a wheelchair user. Yeah. The character. Uh, and and do you feel that people with disabilities should play people with disabilities? Oh, hundred percent. All right. Yeah. Otherwise, like if you're going to not cast a disabled person in a disabled role why would you bother write the role as disabled what's the point in that because that's not really it's not a true what if a person becomes disabled over the arc of the story uh, that's okay that's okay that's okay right what about Daniel Day-Lewis in my left foot <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, in case I ever have to work with him um, we ain't going there <laughs> not going there <laughs> yeah um it, yeah, it's it, it, it's just, but, but everything everything is changing constantly, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, and we're becoming more enlightened, and yeah. more aware. Yeah, yeah. I suppose if you just wanted a, a job to be better, no matter how good of an of an actor you are, you'll never really be able to understand what it's like mm. to be disabled if you're not disabled. So if you just want the role or the movie to be better, cast a disabled person because they can add nuances and. Little things to the character that an able-bodied person wouldn't. Can you remember the first time you were referred to as disabled? Oh, God. It Pro- mustn't have been probably, such a big thing, if you can't remember. Um, I remember the first time I kind of, I suppose, felt disabled was my school tour and they were going to Germany. And I was pretty, kind of pretty much told you can't go because you're on crutches and you'll slip in the snow. Right. Yeah. And I remember there was a big meeting and everyone was going, like 
I think there was two or three other girls in the year that weren't going and I remember I was just sitting alone in my base room and that was the first time I was like oh excluded I suppose yeah Yeah. there are practicalities as well I suppose are there or are there um like good things about being no no not good things no no I I mean if you well the parking for one (laughs) (laughs) that's a good thing Um, that's a good thing yeah. um, yeah 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 it's it's like I used to see it as a dirty word, I suppose, because I, I hadn't really accepted that my life was was changing. But, like, you just learn to adapt and, and kind of, you know, realise that everyone's different in some way and there's nothing wrong with looking a bit different to everyone else or just because something's medically wrong with you doesn't, that doesn't make you less of a person. It's a little bit... It's a little part of you, mm. but I think as time has gone on, I'm actually like, if I could go back and, and change it, I, I, I wouldn't. Well, it's brought you here, isn't it? It's, yeah. 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 Like, it's, have you ever thought about what where you'd be if you hadn't had that fall and you didn't break your leg? Well, uh, probably falling off a horse somewhere <laughs> in the field. <laughs> You would have kept going till you broke your leg. <laughs> yeah, I would have. I would have kept going. Who knows? Yeah, Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, now you're you're on celebrity uh, cooking school, which is the finals tonight. So just to point people oh, to yeah. that, I'm in it. That's on E4. If people want to watch you doing that, are you any good of a cook? Uh, I I wasn't when I started the competition, and I was quite terrible as the competition went on. And then I improved. Right, and yeah, and you had to butcher a pigeon. Oh God, that pigeon. <laughs> oh my god that gives me nightmares to does this. it I was really hung over when we were doing that as well <laughs> that did not help situations yeah right uh, poor, poor pigeon it's poor bad because people you know they, they butcher chickens all the time but you, you, to, to butcher a pigeon it's, we had to chop its, it's head arbitrary. off like, it's arbitrary yeah. and oh. I used to be a vegetarian right so it was that was a rough Wasn't morning. Good, yeah. Has that gone out? That episode has gone out, has it? Yeah, was out. Was that out last night? Was it? The night okay, before? Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, E four um, celebrity cooking school, um, the Midnight Club, and Follow the House of Usher on Netflix and on a big screen soon. By the Should end of the year. Continue? Yes, can't tell us. Can't tell us what movie we'll, we'll be we'll be watching out for that. Ruth Cod from Ferry Carrick. Thank you very much. Oh, thank thanks you. so much for having me. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio One. Text 51551, The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Now, as it happens, we're staying with acting. A group of students travel from Georgia in the USA to spend a week in Glenties in County Donegal uh, to learn a Donegal accent for their production of Brian Friel's Dancing at Lunasa. We're joined on the line by the director of the play, Kim Barber. Hello, Kim. Hello, hello. Great to talk to you. Great to it's talk to you. It's great that you're having us. Thank you so much. <laughs> and also on the line is student Aria Mabry. Hello, Aria. Hello. Did I get the pronunciation of your name correct? Yes, you did. Yes. <laughs> uh, and you're playing the role of Maggie in Dancing uh, at Lunasa. Um, I'll be testing your Donegal accent very shortly, so just get into character there, uh, Aria. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to Kim first. Was this your idea, Kim? You know, it's such a great question. The play was my idea, but the idea to actually travel to Ireland came from the president of our college, President Susanna Baxter, who also traveled to Ireland with us. Mm. We were out walking one morning and I was describing the play to her and she said, well, 
a, a very generous donor has given us this magnificent travel grant. You should take the students to Ireland. Wow. And from then on, it was it was in the works. Yeah, it, 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 it set a very high bar, hasn't it, for future productions? <laughs> it really has. And, and I, um, I've traveled before with students, but I must tell you, Nothing like this experience hmm. in terms of really useful on the ground research, all the people we worked with to apply to the play. And we are now a week and a half into rehearsals for the play wow. here in Georgia. And of course, going to Lenti's, because I, I remember I stayed in the Merrill Streep suite up there. Yes. Uh, did anybody get to stay in that room? We did not get no. to stay in the Merrill Streep suite, no. <laughs> Because, of course, they filmed Dancing at Luna, said the movie back there in the 90s and Meryl Streep was in it. Um, so you were there, you were there in the thick of it and uh, Brian Friel based, uh, you know, he based it around that area, didn't he? Yes, and I must tell you, to be able to have that warm welcome from all of the community members in Glenties was unbelievable. Um, uh, Bredis O'Donnell took us to the laurels. We got to see the home where Friel's aunts lived. But it was such an incredible experience. The whole town opened their arms to us. We met with Anne McLoon at St. Connell's Museum, Helen Power at the Lunasa Creative Arts Center. It was magnificent. Mm. Anne McGill hosted us with scones at the Lunasa Cafe. It was just an unbelievable day in Glenties. But for you, Aria, it was work. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> but it was so much fun. It was unlike anything that I've ever experienced yeah. in my years of being in the theatre. And the work didn't feel like work. It was fun and like it was a new light mm. to looking into being in the arts. <laughs> Just for your information, whenever there is a vote about the most attractive accent in Ireland, Donegal always wins. Yes. <laughs> there, there's something about the Donegal accent, isn't there? Yes. What is it, do you think? Oh, gosh. I, I really think that the lilt in it is just so beautiful. And the musicality of it is unlike anything that I've ever heard. And mm. it's just really fun. And it's been really fun to work on and be able to master. <laughs> so, so you had Maura Logue up there and she was sort of like your dialect coach. Your, your, uh, um, uh, how did it go? What, was there structured lessons or what did you do? Yeah, so there was, um, we would have different workshops and there was one that was specifically for dialect. And Maura started off with a piece that was in the very authentic um, Donegal accent. Mm. And then um, from there, we all, all of the cast and crew found a line in the, in the, in the play. And um, we like read it out loud and mm. Maura would give us like these critiques, but she would also say it back to us in the Donegal accent. And right. that for me and for a lot of other students was very, very beneficial. Um, just because when you're doing accent work, it's very auditory. And for me, that is just the most beneficial thing is hearing it said back to me and what it's supposed to sound like. So that way I can try my best to recreate that. I'm nervous for you. <laughs> <laughs> Small talk is over, Aria. We, <laughs> we want to hear the fruits of your labor. <laughs> So, go on. <clears throat> okay. Um, I'll just do a line from the play. Curly McDeed, an agent of a fella, 
Bald as an egg at 17. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> it, Thank you. you. You won't know this, Kim and Aria, but, but regularly on radio shows like this, they select some of the worst attempts at Irish accents from the movies. <laughs> that, that, it's a regular thing. You know, there, there was uh, Tom Cruise in Far and Away. There was uh, Kevin Spacey from Ordinary Decent Criminals. The, and the list goes on and on and on. The list goes on and on and on. But you, but you wouldn't qualify because that was very good. That was very well, good. thank you. That was very good. Thank you. Just give us it again there. I'll just listen again. Just give us it again. Curly McDeed, an agent of a fella. Bald as an egg at 17. Yeah, you have it. Yeah, yeah, it's convincing. It's convincing. So it wasn't wasted. <laughs> the, 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 the benefactor's money uh, and the trip to Atlantis wasn't wasted at all. And listen, good luck with the production of Dancing at Lunasa at Lagrange uh, College in Georgia. Uh, uh, Georgia, is, is, there a, is there a Dublin near ye? No. No. We were talking about this is yesterday. Is there a Dublin near us in Georgia? Yeah. No. There, really. there is a Dublin, Georgia. Yeah, there is a Dublin, Georgia. I thought we were talking about it yesterday. Just that, it and there's an Athens, Georgia, as well, isn't there? Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. You see, there you go. Anyway, just just while you were on. Uh, okay. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Thank Aria. Good so luck with everything. See you now. Bye, you. bye. 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 Okay. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio One. Thank you very much. Five one five five one Radio RTE dot um, John Woods um, thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, our chat with Ruth Codd. And um, Barry Clark from Tullamore has been on to say that Eric Stoltz, he was the original actor who was cast as Marty McFly in Back to the Future and was replaced by Michael J. Fox. And the rest, as they say, is cinematic history. Now we've two people standing by uh, waiting to take part in the Who Done a Quiz. Um, one of them will walk away with a prize. It's a two-night stay for two people at the Heritage in Killinard in County Leash. Dinner on one evening in Blake's Restaurant. Uh, you get a chance to get a lovely luxury treatment in their award-winning spa. And you get to sample their brand-new state-of-the-art salt cave and sauna. Uh, it's 20 minutes from Kildare Village at the Heritages in Killinard. And you can go to theheritage.com, theheritage.com for more information. Laura Duffy is in Dundalk. Hello, Laura. Hello, hi. Are you well? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Oh, Scottish accent. I can. Oh, I can hear a Scottish yeah. accent. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, which is not dissimilar to a, to a Donegal accent, would you think? Yeah, a few people have said that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's that nice, soft lilt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what part of Scotland are you originally from? I'm from just outside Edinburgh. Lovely city. Beautiful yeah, city, nice. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. And what, why did you end up in Dundalk? What happened? Oh, a Dundalk man. <laughs> did he? Where did he find you? What did he do? <laughs> we found each other in Australia. <laughs> oh, did you? Right, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So both of you were, we were doing that away, the year away thing, were you? Yeah, we were doing the backpacking, the right. working holiday. And was it a hostel or a bar or a beach? Uh, bar. A bar, right, great. Okay. And uh, uh, two children later, you're, you're, you're happy out. Um, Married and two pets, 12 years later, yeah. <laughs> yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, so is it two or three children? Two? Two. Two children, yeah, two boys. Yeah, Jack and Caelan. Um, That's right. Yeah, and uh, see, I know an awful lot about you. It's a Thai curry. <laughs> Thai curry's on the menu this evening. <laughs> Thai curry, that's it. And are you making it? <laughs> I'm going to make it, yep. From scratch? <laughs> well... Kind of, not is, really. Is there a jar involved? Is there a jar involved? Yeah, there is. A yeah. Jar involved. Okay, right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's fine with two young children. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I see here, and this is a, this is a difficulty, isn't it? That, that, that they won't have any of that, will they? 
it'd be too spicy for them. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it'll be something else on the menu for them. I'm looking forward to when we all sit down and eat the same stuff. Well, we do. We do with chicken wings. There's a couple of things that we all eat together. But uh, Yeah, we get the odd dish that we can, but not tonight. <laughs> not tonight, not tonight. They're, they're, they're on what, pasta or chicken goujons and chips or what they're having pasta yeah pasta yeah there you go it's a, look it's the same in every house around the country uh, you're up against Jane Dalton how are you doing Jane hey how are you um, and you are in Lucan that's right right and and you're you're holding your husband's hand why well, I'm not. I'm not actually holding his hand. I'm sitting in the car. He's in the chair. Um, I had to bring him to the dentist. Today. I meant metaphorically. <laughs> but, yes, I know. It, well, it, I, I could very easily. If I wasn't talking to you, I probably would be able to. Yeah. Is he? Is he scared? That's putting it mildly. Is he? That's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of people are. Oh God, love him like he's really bad. Ah, right. I, yeah, I, we so shouldn't. We shouldn't joke then. Will he be okay? Uh, he'll be grand. Really? Yeah. He'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He'll be fine. Is, is it, is it a, an extraction, a filling? Uh, what is it? Well, a little bit of both. He broke a tooth and he has to get that sorted oh. and then he's got to get another bit of work done and stuff. But we've got the most amazing dentist. Yeah, yeah. He's just brilliant. And it's it's so come on in fine. leaps and bounds over the years. Now they have the they have the gel to put on before the yeah, they before have the all needle. Kinds of yes. Stuff. Yeah, next thing they'll have but something our, to put on before the gel so you don't feel them putting on the gel. <laughs> you will, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our dentist is so laid back he's practically horizontal All right, so great. impossible to be yeah, nervous yeah. and in our dentist I don't know if they have it in your dentist but they, they have a television on the ceiling right yeah, and, that's yeah. a good idea and, and they, they have these you know like wildlife programs playing like you'll have, you, might, you might have a coral reef and all these lovely multicoloured fish swimming around up there oh that's a genius <laughs> idea isn't it yeah there you go total game changer yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it just takes your mind off it, you know, because, you know, particularly if there's a bit of zzzzing going on. Zzz, yeah. Yeah, if you're looking at the fish or the antelopes yeah. or whatever's mm-hmm. on screen. Uh, so uh, I better ask you about dinner. You're going Indian. Um, I love cooking Indian food, yeah. Yeah. A, a lamb yeah. rogan josh. Yeah. Tomato based, spicy. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and from scratch or from a jar? Oh God, from scratch! Right. Well, look at you. Look at you. Right. <laughs> is that involved? I don't think I've ever made rogan Josh. Is it- yeah, it's yeah, it is. To be honest with you, if you want to make a decent curry, you just have to take your time when you're sweating down your onions at the very beginning. Yes, that's the big that's, tip. Because that gives it that, that, that it gives it the sweetness, doesn't it? And the the depth it of flavour. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It does, yeah. Yeah, and that's for any curry. Yeah. So that's your best protocol, really. And, and it's, sometimes there'd be ginger in there as well, with there and garlic and. Uh, but, oh yeah. yeah, ginger, garlic, cumin, coriander. Yeah. So, there's loads of stuff. So about twenty minutes, really, isn't it, with the with the onions at the start? Yeah, about that. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. You're on the ball. You're on the ball there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't rush it. You can't rush perfection, no. Jane. Okay. Absolutely. Laura, are you listening? I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Uh, right, it's the Thai curry versus the Rogan Josh. Here we go. No, it's, it's Laura, Laura versus Jane. Um, so, three questions each, and I'll give you the category. Ask if you want a clue. If you go for a clue and get it right, you get a point. If you go without a clue and get it right, it's more difficult to get two points. Whoever has the most points is the winner. And if it's drawn points, we go to a tiebreak question. Good luck to you both. Here we go. Thank you. Okay, uh, Laura in Dundalk. Uh, the first category is music. Would you like a clue? Uh, no. No. Thanks. Right. Without a clue, who is this singing? The band I'm looking for, actually. Yeah, it's yeah. Queen. It's Queen, yeah. Yeah, there you go, yeah. 
Radio Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> this year, that song is 40 years old. Oh, wow. Ah, yeah, wow is right. Wow, yeah. Uh, but you get two points. Well done. Uh, Jane, music. Clue or no yeah. clue? I'll have to go no clue, I think. No clue. Who is this? Hello. Uh, is it me you're looking for? I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your smile. You're all I've ever wanted. Open Who's that? That is Lionel Richie. It is. Again from 1984. 40 years old this year. Right back to the Seaway in Kildare in a slow set. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's very sad where your mind takes you. Wait, two points for you. Well done. Uh, okay, next category. Famous Hollywood actresses. Laura. Famous Hollywood um, actresses. I'll go no clue again, please. No clue. Okay, for two points. Who is this famous Hollywood actress? It's kind of Terrifying to do an Irish accent in front of oh. an Irish crew. You know, I think Christopher Walken, I remember the day one was like, oh my God, this is so awful, you know. But as Shanley said, you know, the film is based on his family and, and he said, I think if, if you re- genuinely sounded like my family members, no one around the world would understand what you were saying. So I think we had to find something that was a bit more palatable for people. Who's that? Oh gosh, I don't know. Um... I'm just going to have to take a guess. Um, Emily Blunt? It is, yes. She's just in time there. Oh. I'm going to... So, yeah, Emily Blunt uh, discussing her part as Rosemary in Wild Mountain Time and her Irish accent. Uh, so I'm going to give you two points. And Jane, you'll Thank have you. a bit of leeway at the end of the, the, the buzzer there as well, just um, to be fair. Thank you. So, famous Hollywood actresses. Um, what do you want to do? I'd do you... have to go, no clue. No clue, okay, for oh two. My gosh. Who okay. is this? I mean, it's a gorgeous movie, and Neil Jordan, who's such an incredible filmmaker, and I just think that's one of those movies that I constantly was sort of pinching myself because it was just such a beautiful time and all of us together and just sort of great friends making this movie. Who's that, do you think? Is it Julia Roberts? Yes, it is. It is. Talked about playing Kitty Kiernan in Michael Collins from 1996. Two points. You two are good. You two are good. Okay. <laughs> so it's four all. It's down to the wire. Final category, sport. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, God, no, gosh. Laura, what do you want to do? I'll go no, no clue. No clue. Okay. Good luck with this. Um, for two points, who is this? I'm very, very much single-minded and uh, I, the only people I really listen to are my team and my family and the, the people who I trust, but uh, I understand that this is a huge fight. I understand that this is a, is a must-win fight for me and um, I can't wait just, just to step in there now at this stage. I, I, I know that I, I'm going to perform to the best of my ability on Saturday. Who's that? Is it Katie Taylor? It is Katie Taylor. Well done, yes. Two points, clean sheet. Six out of six. You can't do any more, Laura. Jane, under pressure. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, so there's no point in going with the clue. Yeah, no, no, no. Go for no, no clue. Okay, right. Good luck. This will take us to a tie break. Can you name this sports person? Listen, it's just, it's a magnificent feeling. When it probably sinks in tomorrow and we get home and I'm able to reflect on it, I'm sure there'll be a few tears later on. There was a few tears earlier on when Joe gave his last, uh, his last team talk and uh, it, was, it was quite a mo- Quite emotional. Brian, congratulations. Thank you. Who's that? Is that Brian O'Driscoll? It is Brian O'Driscoll, yes. On his oh, last yes. appearance for Ireland in 2014. 
It's a draw, Laura and Jane. Woohoo! Uh, yeah, yeah, well, woohoo, woohoo. Uh, now, normally, either of those scores, both sixes, would have would have been enough to win, but uh, you both of you are good. Um, so, we're, it takes us to a tie-break situation. We asked you a question before you went on air. Uh, we're going to repeat it now for our listeners, and whoever guessed closest to the correct answer is today's winner. Good luck to you both. Um, according to Google Maps, how long would it take you to walk from Ballycanoe in County Wexford to Ballyhonus in County Mayo. Laura, your guess. I said 75 hours. 75 hours. Uh, it's 234.4 kilometres if you're going by the R420. And you say 75 hours. Jane, your guess is from Ballycanoe to Ballyhonus walking. I said 49 hours and 15 minutes. Okay, random enough. Um, the win, the correct answer, I was going to say the winner, the correct answer is 53 hours, which means, Jane, you're today's winner. Well done. Commiserations, Yay. Laura. Sorry about that. Uh, never mind. You, you were so good. We're going to send you out a radar show, Keep Cup, and, and lovely talking to you. Mind yourself. Thank you. See you now, Laura. Bye, bye, bye. 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 Uh, Jane, when he comes out of the dentist, what do you, we're off to, we're off to Killinard, we're off to the heritage Absolutely. in Killinard. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So Thank any so any pain much. will disappear immediately. Well done, congratulations. Yes, well. Yeah, great Thanks talking very, to you. Very much. Bye now. Bye. You too. See Bye. you, see you, Jane. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio One. Now, leukemia is the most common childhood cancer in Ireland. Um, thankfully, through breakthroughs in modern medicine, uh, it's now an illness that most, the majority of children, will survive. I think it's around eighty percent. Uh, survival rate. Uh, after experiencing life in hospital and going through tough treatments, how do children and their families return to their normal life and are they supported through this transition? Well, joining us in studio to talk about her own personal experience of childhood cancer and her research around end of treatment experiences of childhood leukaemia uh, is PhD researcher Avril Deegan. Hello, Avril. Hi, Ray. How are what, you? what part of the country are you from? Um, I'm from Leash. Leash. Yeah, Culla Hill. Culla Hill in County Leash. Where, yeah. is, where is that close to? Um, it's right on the Kilkenny Tipperary border, so it is. All oh, right, is yeah, it a small little village? Is there a pub called Three Counties there or something? No. Um, there used to be a pub O'Connell's was oh, right. in the village, but it's probably called it the Three Counties. Down. There was a pub I remember used to pass on the way to Carlo, because it was there. You could it was sort of on the border of Three Counties, so that oh, okay. sounds like that. Yeah. Uh, now, so um, you had leukemia. Yeah, I yeah. did. What age were you diagnosed at? Yeah, so I was diagnosed with leukaemia, acute lymphoblastic leukaemia is what I had when I was five years old. Mm. So it's 20 years ago now. Right. Um, I suppose I don't have very many memories of having leukaemia. I always was aware that I had it growing up, but I don't have very many memories of the treatment side of things. Any memories that I do have are more of the kind of happier, positive side of things. And what were the happier, positive side um, of things? Things like Barrettstown were big thing for me um, and trips away to Barrettstown and different bubblegum club is another one um, that I used to go with with my family and my cousins as well um, and I suppose then looking at pictures as well and video recordings from when I did have cancer they also spark memories for me um, and now working within CHI in Crumlin and going around the hospital you know you start to remember different parts of it as well uh-huh. um, so the more work I'm doing within there it's sparking more and more memories and yes. then speaking to families as well it brings you back to that time and the memories start coming back. And in speaking to other people and families with people who uh, were diagnosed with leukaemia is it common that they've no memory of the, the treatment side of it? Yeah, from families that I've spoken to so far I'm very early stages of my research but 
the general consensus I seem to be getting at the minute is they don't really remember, you know, the chemo side of things or getting blood tests done, all that kind of scarier side of things. Mm. Um, it's much more the positive kind of side of things yeah. and the it's funny moments. Isn't it? that, yeah, yeah. It's, I think your brain probably blocks out all those coping negative, mechanism. Yeah, it's probably yeah. a coping mechanism as well. Uh, and, and and it sort of points to how important places like Barrettstown are and the you other know, share a dream and make a wish and the yeah. Bubblegum Club and all those. Yeah, I think all those organisations, Child Cancer Ireland, Breakthrough Cancer Research, who are funding me doing this research as well, all the work that they're doing for families, just to give them a safe place that they can enjoy and know that they'll be looked after. Mm. Um, so obviously it's so, so, so you've no memory, uh, like, because five, I'd have memories from when I was five. So you, you've no memories of getting the diagnosis and, and then the word cancer being used around you? No, no. I don't have any. Wow. Even talking to say people who were in my class when I was in primary school they don't really remember me having cancer do you know okay. I think it's children's way it's a good thing I think yeah. that do you know you're still a child at the end of the day uh, no more than we were talking to Ruth Codd um, who has lost part of her limb in the first hour and, and no more than that that, that has coloured her life you know made her the person she is do you think that a childhood diagnosis of cancer you know may, has made you who you are um, in a lot of ways yeah, it was always an interest of mine to go back to it. And because obviously when I was five, I didn't know like the ins and outs of it. So there was that interest when I, and especially when I started doing psychology in DCU, um, that I wanted to go back and look at it a bit more in depth and see if I could use my experience to help other families. Mm. Um, and I suppose the research that I'm doing now will hopefully do that. OK, so so you think you see a gap? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. And where is that gap? I think there's a big gap from... When you're on treatment, there is a lot of support there for you. But when you get towards the end and you transition then to life after treatment, that transition can be challenging for families. Because obviously on the one hand, it's great. You're after surviving cancer, you're after, you know, killing the disease and it's time for celebration. But it's also a worrying time as well. There's a lot of anxiety. You have to go back to school, back to work, just get back to normal life again after going through such a traumatic time in your life. Um, so I think there needs to be supporting families during that transition mm. needs to be a big priority. A psychological support. Psychologically, yeah, I think it's massive because it's just from my own personal point of view and just from reading in the literature as well, it's often overlooked, that psychological side of things, despite it being such an important part of the treatment. Mm. Obviously, the medical side of things is really important as well, but you can't forget about the psychological side of things yeah, too. Yeah, because, because it, like... It's it's a huge negative that you get a, a diagnosis, but you are showered with attention, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, at the time when you're undergoing treatment, yes. you know, you have so much support from your family. The whole family is affected. It's not just the And the whole family gets support. The, uh, yeah, there's the grandparents, yeah. the aunties. No, but what I'm saying, but they get support from outside as well, you know, that, yeah. that, that, that the, you know when you're in the hospital, everyone is showering attention on yeah. you. Yeah. Everyone's there, and yeah, you know, yeah. and then once the treatment ends, you often feel like, okay, yeah. you're left on your own. Yes, yes, and you yes. Have to stand on your own two feet, and right you're in control of everything. Now, you now. say you're in the early days, and I know you're looking for families, and we, we, we do that in a moment. But but what what's what's it hinting towards? What's what do you think? Like what could people do with? Um, support is the main thing. I think just to continue that support throughout the cancer continuum, not to just end it once you finish the treatment and let you out the door and let that be it. It needs to continue long term um, throughout for a number of years after. I know the initial few months when you do step out the door are probably the most critical mm. um, that you do support families, but it needs to be long term as well. And are there organisations 
you know, like you, you're a member of a club, I suppose, a club that nobody wants to be in, but, but you had childhood cancer. So have yeah. you been in the company of loads of people who've had childhood cancer? I haven't until no. I went All into right, this right, research. So um, I would have thought there was, you yeah, know. Yeah, things are starting to improve from, it was a long time, it was 20 years ago since I came yes, out of it. Yes. Things are starting to improve. So the likes of Childhood Cancer Ireland and different organisations like that do have safe places for families that they can just have others that had the same experience as them mm. to talk to. Because I think just expressing your feelings and experiences with others is massive help for families. Because um, at present, there's actually no formal survivorship programme in place for paediatric cancer survivors, despite it being a recent assessment of needs has highlighted that psychological things is just as important. So when you've your PhD done and you're presented, you would hope that the outcome would be that this will be yeah, put in place. I'd hope that my research will help inform future policies and yeah. care plans that are in place for survivors. Just, just to go off on a tangent for a moment, you always insisted that you're both your mum and dad brought you to hospital. Yeah, I was a bit of a stubborn child. <laughs> right, okay. So yeah. the two of them had to go. So the two of them had to go and my mum was actually pregnant at the time with my sister Blonid and I had another sister Maeve then as well who was often landed up to my granny's house. <laughs> right. So she'd be quite independent now as a result of all that, I think. She would have been... See, I, I suppose it, as an adult you can understand why, that, why your five-year-old self did that. Yeah, because you know, it was such a big thing, wasn't it? It was such a, a seismic change in your little world that that the, you wanted the constants to be with you all the, all the time and they're your yeah, parents. Yeah, I suppose they're your safe place yes, as well, yeah, having yeah. them, you know, you're safe if they're with you Yeah. Um, when you're going through chemo and obviously all that side of things isn't nice. Yeah. Um, so um, you need that support. And I was saying there that thankfully um, through breakthroughs in modern science that the, the outcomes are, in the 20 years since you had it, like the... The percentages have gone up, haven't they? Yeah, massively. Ma- massive. 80% plus yeah. number of survivors. Yeah, there still are that, that, that you know, 18%. Yeah, so or... there's a big chunk of survivors out there and yeah. they need to be supported. Like, obviously, you have to be conscious that there is those that small percentage that don't, unfortunately, make it the full way through. So I am very conscious of that mm. with it when I'm doing my research that I know I'm aware of that as well. And you're going back to these places you would have been 20 years ago. Um, and as you say, they're sort of triggering or you know bringing back memories uh, and, and is it reminding you of like I'm trying to understand if uh, having childhood cancer colours your view of the world um, it does and it doesn't you know you're obviously I'm aware that I had it back when I was five years old and it was such a big thing um, and when I'm now doing the research and I see what families go through it makes it even more clear to me what was involved and how much it takes up your life. Yeah. Um, because I was so young when I had it, it probably all went over my head. And <laughs> yeah. I think it does for a lot of families that I meet and the child just kind of goes all over their head. They're looking to see, can we go to the shop or yeah. go to McDonald's after mm. doing the treatment? And, and here, and, and I don't expect, expect a definitive answer on this, but should children be aware of the diagnosis? In other words, how much should children be told, do you think? I think it's important to give the child a voice. Um, that's kind of a big part of my research is giving the child a voice and allowing them to express their feelings and emotions because a lot of work that has been done to date has just looked at it from the parent's perspective which is obviously good as well but you need to get the voice of the child as well because they have one as well okay and you're looking for people to help you with your research yeah how do people contact you um so if families would like what i'm looking at is um children and parents who have survived cancer aged under 18 in the last five years um, for leukemia specifically 
And if they'd like to find out more information on the study, they can just follow uh, Life After Childhood Leukemia on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Repeat that for us, Avril. So Life After Childhood Leukemia on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Okay. Uh, good luck with your research. Thanks for coming in. That's uh, Avril Deegan there from Cullahill. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that's it from us. Uh, Cormac and Sarah are on drive time. We are back tomorrow at three o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday evening. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1.